Today's reading is from the book of Acts 1, verses 4 through 10. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel, kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, my name is Matthew. I serve as a pastor here at Christ City Church. Really uh, delighted that you're here, and uh, I'll add my voice to say happy Mother's Day uh, to you moms in the room. I'm really excited, really glad uh, that you're here. There's a, there's there's always, um, to come into this space is, is quite just exciting and encouraging to me, not just because I'm a pastor and, you know, I get to be here, but, um, but there's a nourishment that actually happens for me to be in this space with all of you. Um, th- there's a nourishment that comes to me each week when I'm, when I'm gathered together with others whose, whose gaze is on the Lord. Uh, I, there's some days and some weeks, I'll just be honest and frank with you, some days, some weeks where my gaze, my soul, and my, my heart, it, it, it wanders. I, I get distracted away from the things of God, either because of the sorrows of the world or because of disappointments from the week, uh, whatever it is that I've encountered, uh, oppression of the enemy, uh, uh, it, whatever it is, it distracts my, my Godward gaze. It diverts my soul's attention away from the Lord. And I need to be surrounded by others that will remind me that God is still on the throne of the universe and he's worthy of my attention. He's worthy of my fidelity. He's worthy of my hope and my praise and my worship. So I get excited to come in here for very selfish reasons because you help me turn my attention back to the Lord. Amen. Now, there are other weeks when the truth of it is, I'm the king of the world, man. It's just been a good week. I'm hitting home runs every day. I'm the champ, as Fresh Prince says. Ali calls me to tell me I'm the greatest on that week. And when I drive through uh, the city, all the stoplights are green for me. All the brakes break my way. I am loved by uh, my friends. I'm adored by strangers. It's It's just a good week, and I need to be surrounded by those that remind me that God is on the throne. Any good gift that I receive or that I secure or am awarded, it is from the Lord. I need a community of witnesses to remind me, as it says in James chapter 1, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So thank you for being here. Thank you for coming into this place and for being living witnesses and a reminder to me of God's beauty and greatness in my life and in yours. And I pray that uh, you would be that for, for one another. That when you arrive here, that you're not here just simply to, 
to be welcomed by familiar faces that you know, although I hope that that actually happens, but to be reminded by all of us that God is good and that God is love and that God is mercy and God is grace and he is embrace. And I pray that as we continue to journey together as a church, that we would be in the habit of, of just simply asking each other when we gather, what do you need to be reminded of today? Just as I came into this space and said, I need to be reminded of some things about the Lord, so too did you. What do you need to be reminded of today? Do you need to remember that God is merciful? Do you need to remember that God is loving? Do you need to remember that God is present? And then through prayer and presence, we would actually be that for each other. So before we keep going... This act of remembrance and reminding, I, I just want us to practice this. And so what I want you to do, I'm just going to put this out there, is, is I want you to just sort of look at your neighbor for a minute. I, let me give you the instructions first. And just say, what do you need to be reminded of today? What do you hope God reminds you of this morning? Is it that God forgives? Is it that God is patient? Is it that God is in control of your life and your circumstances? Is it that God is worthy of your life and worthy of your worship? Some of you, actually, you, you may reply, uh, I, I don't know what I need to be reminded of, and that's okay, too. So what I want to do is I just want to give you, like, two minutes to look to your neighbor. Some of it's going to be a stranger, and that's okay. We're friendly strangers. If they're, if, if they're not, send them to the prayer stations. <laughs> I'm going to give you two minutes. I just want you to ask each other, what do you need to be reminded of today from the Lord? And then I'm going to call us together and I'm going to pray for us before we continue. Okay? So take a moment. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would, that you would take control of this this moment, that you would take control of our lives, that you would speak to us in subtle ways if that's what we need, powerful ways if that's what we need, poignant ways if that's what's required, but Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would in these moments that you would remind us, that you would remind us of things that we need, remind us of characteristics and qualities of God, that you would remind us of promises that come from the Almighty, that you would remind us of who we are to you and in you. Holy Spirit, I pray that, that just as you have already, that you would minister to us. That you would, that you would soften us, that you would tender us that you would open us to the things that you would want us to know, that you would comfort, that you would convict, that you would encourage and embolden. Spirit, I pray that as we gather, that we would be a community of remembrance and that that remembrance would fuel our living by your power, Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.
for being here. Thank you for reminding me of this. Um, today, we begin a four-week series that we've entitled Power and Possibility, The Spirit-Filled Life. And over the next four weeks, we'll be exploring uh, the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we began this exploration a little bit last week when we closed out our year-long journey through the Gospel of John. And we began laying, um, when we began laying out the, sort of the, the objectives and the goals for this sermon series, the main objective that we had in mind was that we as a church would deepen our understanding of and our experience with the person of the Holy Spirit. Our main objective, that that was it, that we would deepen our understanding of and our experience with the work of the Holy Spirit. We were intentional about that language, understanding and experience. There are some things that we should know, that we should know cognitively in an intellectual sense of the word about the Holy Spirit. But uh, there are also some things that we need to know in the experiential sense of the word, ways that we need to become familiar with the ways that the Spirit moves uh, and speaks to us and to the world. Now, I have to tell you that um, my own journey with understanding and experiencing the work of the Spirit, it, it, it continues to be ongoing. And I suppose I could be said of any aspect of spiritual life as though, uh, you know, I wouldn't stand up here and be like, I've really learned everything there is to know, like about prayer. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad to be here and I'll share with you all from my deep, vast uh, amount of wisdom. Like I just, I guess it could be said that, but, but with the Spirit, there's a, there's a unique newness, even in my own life as one who has, has been following Jesus. For a bit, when I came to faith in Christ, I was a part of a good, healthy church, um, but a church that didn't shape me much in my understanding of the of the Spirit. There were there were a bit. Um, if, if this may make sense, they were a bit more of a, a sort of a word church. The, the Trinity for them may have been uh, Father, Son, and Holy Bible. And they just weren't quite sure what, what to make of the Spirit. And so my understanding of how to listen well to the work of the Spirit, it, get, it didn't get developed until um, later, until I was an adult and, and well into seminary and even after. And, and, and I wasn't sure of what to make of it um, every single time. To, to help uh, sort of just flesh out my own sort of maturation of understanding the Spirit. I just want to tell a series of stories about how the Spirit has been, uh, has worked in my life, particularly over the last 15, 16 years or so. Um, actually, a bit longer. The first story, when Lisa and I began dating, uh, when we first began dating, Lisa was slated to uh, serve for two years in East Africa. Now, this isn't the best set of circumstances to begin a relationship. Hey, I like you. I like you too. Uh, I'm going to leave for two years. That's cool. I'm game. Let's go. Let's date. Uh, but that's what we did. We, we jumped in uh, and we just, uh, the relationship blossomed, but we still had this departure date that was looming. Lisa was committed to her calling and I didn't want to you know, upset that. Who am I to come against the word of the Lord? Like I was like, no, I'm, I don't want to be that guy. Uh, it, but on one occasion, she asked me to join her at a, a church uh, service that wasn't wasn't far from where we were going to grad school. And it was a Friday night service at this church. It was largely a church primarily of um, East Africans uh, that were part of the East African diaspora. And it was it afforded us a chance to worship with folks that um, Lisa, that were from the region where Lisa would be serving. And so that morning before we attended the service, um, Lisa and I are having brunch with a dear friend who had been praying for us. And over brunch, she says to us that the Lord has given her a word for us concerning us. Uh, and that wasn't, that, I can't think of another time up to that point where that actually happened. And we're like, oh, that's just, all right. Get, I'm ready, you know, like. <laughs> Uh, and the word that, that she had was from the passage out of Isaiah, Isaiah 43, verse 19, uh, where uh, Isaiah uh, f 
where the Lord says through Isaiah, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And she told us that what she had heard is that God wants us to consider a different future than the one that we had imagined having. She told us that God is doing a new thing in us and between us and that we should listen to that. We sort of nodded, finished our French toast. I like Isaiah. And then we moved through the day. That night at the service, Lisa and I walked in. We don't know a soul, uh, and, it's, and it's not a large gathering, about probably about half the folks that are gathered here in, in this room, and they're worshiping, and the pastor gets up, and um, as they're worshiping, the pastor says this, Isaiah 43, 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And then the pastor says, in some of the fashion that I've just done this morning, he says, look at your neighbor and say to your neighbor, God is doing a new thing. Lisa disobeyed the pastor, looked at me and said, did you tell him we're coming? <laughs> During the course of the service, again, we don't know anybody here except the Lord. And During the service, the pastor calls Lisa and I up front. He doesn't know. He says, you do. You, you, uh, the Spirit is telling me, you come here. We stood in front of him. We're like, yes. <laughs> and he prays over us, and he says to us something to the effect of, God wants you to change your course. The way that you're going isn't the way that he wants you to continue. God is wanting to do something new in you, and he lays hands on us, and he prays over us. And Lisa and I knew that the Holy Spirit was speaking to us. We didn't quite know how to process it, so we went to in and out we processed it over burgers and shakes, and we said, the Lord is doing something new. We didn't have a whole lot of experience with receiving words from the Spirit like this, and we spent the better part of the evening processing it, and a few months later, Lisa would change her plans, and we were engaged nearly a year after the pastor spoke to us. She never went to East Africa, not then. We ended up in West Africa later. When I was in seminary, a few months after Lisa and I were married, we traveled to Senegal. Um, where we led a team that was engaged in a literacy project and it was tied to a local ministry. Our team was made up of, of six other folks, uh, a lot of them, most of them were friends uh, that we'd been prayer partners with and, at school. Um, and some of our team, um, we had learned of a man in a neighboring village who was blind. And so the team went over and they visited with him. And during the course of the visit, some of the team members, they prayed over him and they asked for the spirit to do a healing work in his life and to heal him of blindness. And as they prayed, the man's vision was restored and he was healed. Now, this was the first time I'd ever experienced that. And I'd heard of that happen. And it was the first time I'd ever actually heard of it happening to someone that was like, that was like a degree removed from me. Like this was something that I read about in the Bible. And then maybe it happened to someone way far away. And I just, you know, I was like, that's awesome. But with a bit of skepticism, to be frank. And I wasn't quite sure what had happened. And so we went back the next day just to double check, because we're like, I don't know, man. And I was a little skeptical. I have to, I, honestly, I half thought that we'd go back and the man would be blind again, or maybe he wasn't really blind before, or he just maybe had something in his eye and we prayed it out. Like, I didn't know, you know, and here I am, like, over, I'm like, I don't, I'm supposed to be a man of God here, but I don't, I'm not sure about this. We went back, and what had happened is, not only was he still healed, but then others in the village showed up and were like, hey, we got something too. Can you pray over us? 
something had happened. The Spirit had come into a geography and it begun to heal people. And through that, it began to draw people to himself. I wasn't sure what to make of it, but I knew that a right response was to pray and to worship and to thank God and ask for his ongoing power in our lives and in that place to, to display the inbreaking nature of the kingdom of God. Last story to illustrate this one's more recent. Kathy Dalberger, Kathy's one of our elders. She's here. There's boom, right over there. Um, she's one of our elders here at Christ City, and she has taught me so much about the ways that the Spirit works over the last few years of getting to know her. Prior to her joining the Elder Board, I asked her to, to meet with me and um, do a, a bit of an interview about the Elder Board and to gauge her interest and also to let her know what she'd be getting into. Um, during our conversation, we're at my house. During our conversation, Kathy, she interrupts me and she says, listen, since I've walked in here, the Spirit has told me that you're worried and that you're troubled. And that you're worried about a hard conversation that you're going to have to have. Not, not this one, not like me and you, but like another, another one. And then she began naming some things that I was worried about. And they were things that Kathy had no knowledge of. And when she said, the Lord wants you to know that you need not be worried. That he's with you. It will be fine. And trust him. Now two things happened in that moment. First, I was blown away that she knew what was going on in me, that I, was, that I was worried and I was troubled, and that she knew what it was about, and that she had just the right word from the Lord for me. And all of it was communicated through Kathy to me through the work of the Holy Spirit. And peace immediately came over me. And I tried to keep composure, but I had an undeniable sense of, of, of God's presence in us. And I tell you these stories because they all came much later in my life. I, I wasn't nurtured in this as a, as a teenager or as a college student. And they came about mostly because there were others in my life that were able to help me become alert to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they helped me to listen well and to notice and to understand what the Spirit was doing when I wasn't completely sure what I was seeing or hearing. Last week, we looked at what Jesus said about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I asked you to be open and to be curious about how the Spirit will work in you, especially during these days. And, and I want to ask you that again. I want to ask you to be open to the ways that the Spirit might be speaking to you. Things that the Spirit may want to work in you and to be open to the ways that the Spirit might want to work through you. To be curious and ask, Holy Spirit, how are you working here? What are you saying and what are you doing? Last week we explored one aspect of the work of the Spirit, namely as the advocate and the comforter. And two tasks Jesus mentions that the Spirit will do is that the Spirit will teach and the Spirit will remind. And what I want to do today in the time remaining is to take a, a broader stroke view at the ways that the Spirit uh, works as demonstrated through the entire Scriptures. There are a few categories of ways that the Spirit uh, has worked through the broad sweep of the biblical narrative. And, and I think that by looking at these categories, it can give us a bit of insight into the ways that the Spirit might be working even now in our midst and in your life. The first area where we encounter the work of the Spirit is in creation. We read in Genesis 1, that the Spirit is present 
in the creation of the world, from the beginning of time, the generative, creative, new workingness of the Spirit is active. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It was the active, creative work of the Spirit of God that was present in the midst of God's formation of the world, His uh, separating of the dry land from the sea, the day from the night, the setting of humanity in the garden. It was the Spirit who stared down at the darkness and the chaos and the formlessness and brought forth order. That's what the Spirit was doing. In the book of Job, the creative work of God is attributed to the Spirit in brilliant and poetic language. In verse 7 through 13, it says this, He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He, God, suspends the earth over nothing. He wraps up the waters in His clouds, yet the clouds do not burst because of under their weight. He covers the face of the moon, spreading its clouds over it. He marks out the horizon of the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. Verse 13, by his breath, which is the same word for spirit, by his spirit, the skies become fair. It's the Holy Spirit of God in participation with the Father and the Son that brought forward creation. And again, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah looks to a future outpouring of the Spirit as a time of productivity in creation, noting that there will be a desolation until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high. The desert becomes a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. In chapter 32 of verse 15, till the Spirit is poured out on us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field, the fertile field Seems like a forest, the Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live peace in peaceful dwelling places and secure homes in undisturbed places of rest. And how does Isaiah imagine this happening? How does he imagine the world created, God's justice displayed, flourishing, taking place? He says it comes when the Spirit arrives. The next way that we see the Spirit working throughout the Scriptures, both old and new, is through revelation. Well, the Old Testament and the New Testament attribute the work of the prophets and the production of the Scripture to the inspiration of the Spirit of God. The Bible says that we, that we have, that, that, that this that we refer to as the Word of God that was passed down to us by our spiritual forefathers and foremothers, that it's a product of the Holy Spirit's work. That God's revelation was, was given and sustained by the Spirit. Each of the Old Testament prophets, they identify that the words that they are saying are words that was given to them by the Spirit of God. Ezekiel notes in Ezekiel 2 that as he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking. This pattern would be repeated in nearly each of the prophets, and there are similar stories that are told where different ones of them in the prophetic narratives where they say the words that I'm saying are the words from the Lord. In the book of Numbers, we get a story uh, of the prophet um, Balaam, a prophet that doesn't have a book bearing his name, yet in chapter 24, when Balaam looked out and saw Israel encamped uh, uh, tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him, and he spoke this message. And when the Scriptures go on to record Balaam's encouraging prophetic message uh, to the people of God, it follows. 
And to the New Testament, the apostles, they confirmed the ways that the Spirit spoke to the writers in the Old Testament. 1 Peter 1, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy affirms the Spirit's role in the production of the Scriptures, citing that all Scripture is God-breathed. Again, another turn of phrase as the word for breath is synonymous with the word for spirit in in the biblical context. The thing about Revelation, the thing about the Scripture, is that Scripture, for us, it's, it's a disclosure to us as to what God is like and what God is doing. And in that regard, the Spirit brings forth this disclosure, brings forth the Revelation so that we might know what God is like. The third area where the Spirit works is in redemption. It is the Spirit who ultimately brings about salvation and our rescue. When Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John 3, he tells him, Truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born from above. And what he's meaning here is that it's a spiritual birth, that it's a a birth that's born by the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that woos us. It's the Spirit that brings about rescue and that leads us into a new life that is offered through Christ Jesus. The Spirit works through redemption, and in this way, the work of the Spirit in redemption is actually a mirror to the work of the Spirit in creation. Just as creation uh, is brought forward by the Holy Spirit, so too is the work of new creation, of recreation. The Spirit is active and instrumental in both. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that lost ones are found, that broken ones are healed, and that takes place in salvation. And all that takes place in salvation is accomplished by the renewing and restoring and redemptive and rescuing work of the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, the ways that we see the Spirit at work throughout Scripture is that the Spirit gives guidance. We touched on this a bit last week, but two of the ways that the Spirit guides is through teaching and reminding. The Spirit guides us by teaching us and reminding us of the things that Jesus taught and said. But there's a a bit more to the ways that the Spirit guides, and and Jesus would go on to say this in John 16. Verse 12, he would say, I have much more uh, to say to you, more than you can bear now. There's there's wisdom that the Spirit wants to give, but the timing is not right. And so the Spirit preserves that word for you. He says, I'm going to hang on to it. It's more than you could bear right now, but trust me, I have words for you. I have guidance for you. I'll not leave you where you are. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear now, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Spirit will guide us, will point us forward. Now, I want to be careful here, but I also want to be clear here. When Jesus says that the Spirit will tell us what is yet to come, this isn't Jesus advocating for, for like, soothsaying or fortune-telling, like, I need some lottery numbers, like, guide me in all truth, Jesus. It's not that. But what it is, is the Spirit's communication to us about the things that we need to know to walk faithfully with the Lord. It's the Spirit reminding us, and in so reminding, He's pointing us forward into the life and the flourishing that's found in the kingdom of God. 
The Spirit's guidance can come to us in a number of ways in the story about how the Spirit used the Isaiah passage, the words of Scripture to lead and to guide Lisa and I into a future we weren't certain about. That's the Spirit's guidance. The Spirit can also guide through dreams and through visions and images. There have been times where even some of you in this room have had an image or a vision that God has given you about the life and care for our church. In the founding of Christ City Church years ago, there was an image given to one of our first members, Nate. It was an image of birch trees. It was trees that, that above ground, they look like individual trees when you see them above ground, but underground, they are linked together by a common root structure. And when, the, when the Spirit gave this image to Nate, it was with that image that was then joined to a passage in Ephesians 2. In Him, Jesus, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple. And in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for the Lord. The Spirit can give guidance through images and dreams. And the Spirit can give guidance through the counsel of other Christians who, led by the Spirit, can bring clarity and direction. The work of the Spirit is the work of guidance. The last category of work that we see the Spirit engaged in throughout Scripture is in the work of commission. In the Old Testament, the commissioning, it sometimes looked like, looks like the Spirit giving special skills or abilities to accomplish a given task. For example, during the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, the Bible notes that the Spirit gave different people different skills. Some he gave skills of artistic design or special craftsmanship. In the story of Joseph and Pharaoh, Pharaoh notes, notes that Joseph has been given special gifts of administration. Really good at organizing stuff. Some of you have that gift. Others do not. The Pharaoh remarks in Genesis 41, verse 38, Can we find anyone like this man in whom is the Spirit of God? In Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 34, it says this, Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the Spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord commanded. And then coming to the passage that we had read in Acts 1, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, you will be my testifiers in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in the Old Testament and the New Testament, each of the gifts are given so that the people of God may serve the Lord and his people in some way as a witness to the majesty of God. The gifts are given as a, as a commissioning by God upon his people. And the gifts are intended to point back to the Lord himself, not to the receiver of the gift. And this is what is so clarified in Acts 1, that the power of the Spirit will rest on you. And then just as the Spirit is to testify about Christ, so too are we to be witnesses about Christ and his kingdom. The Spirit's work in the life of a follower of Jesus is intended ever and always to be a signpost that points to the glorious, generous, life-giving rule and reign of Jesus. The question may come, though, but, okay, that's great. Great to see how the Spirit's worked through Scripture, but, but what about me and what about now? It's how the Spirit's worked in the Bible, but what about my life? And so the turn for us is this. Which of these, these modes of the Spirit's work are you in need of today? 
creation, revelation, redemption, guidance, or commission? How is it that you need the Spirit to work in you or through you, even in this moment? Is it in creation? Do you, do you need the Lord to do a new work in your life right now? You need for God to take the formless parts of where you are today, the chaotic places of your life, and you need the Spirit to bring life and order and flourishing to those places in your life. You need the same Spirit that hovered over the dark and the formless and the deep places of the world and brought creation out of them to hover over your soul and to bring new life. You may need to say, come Holy Spirit, I, I, I need that creative aspect of who you are to create something new that I've not yet seen. Maybe it's revelation. Revelation in scripture is simply God's self-disclosure of God's self. Maybe you need for God to speak a word to you to disclose some aspect of his character to you. It may have been the same or the similar thing that you said to your neighbor that you needed to be reminded of today. But that you just need the Spirit to disclose something, to remind you of something, or to teach you something new about who he is towards you. Is it redemption? You need the Spirit to bring you to a place of surrender. You need the Spirit to bring something that's been dead back to life. You need to come your full, whole self to the Lord and say, Spirit, I need for you to rescue me and save me. I need, I need for you to transfer my, my identity from myself to as one who follows Jesus. Is it guidance? With, with each of these, by the way, there's a, there's, a, there's a corresponding way that the enemy works, too. And in guidance, maybe the enemy has brought confusion into your life. Maybe, he, maybe there's uncertainty or you're just not sure what the next step is, or the next several steps, and that you feel bound up by that confusion and uncertainty. And what you need is for the Spirit to descend and to bring clarity where there's now confusion. Or maybe it's a commission. But the Lord has a task for you. And you know what it is, but there's reluctance. You need the Spirit to embolden you, to remind you that the Spirit has come and there's power in that arrival. Someone you need to talk with or share your faith with. A situation that you need to step towards for the sake of God's kingdom. And what's needed is a fresh reminder of your commissioning in Christ that was sealed by the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I just want the Spirit to, to minister to you and to be whatever, to work in whatever ways that the Spirit needs to work. If it's through the acts of creation or the acts of revelation or redemption or guidance or commissioning, I pray that you would be open and that you would be curious to the ways that the Spirit is speaking to you. I want to invite the band up and let me pray for us. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit that was that was in the beginning and that hovered over the dark and the deep. Spirit of God that spoke faithfully through the prophets, reminding the people of God of their worth and God's beauty. 
of justice and righteousness. The spirit that spoke through the prophets and extended invitation to return to the God who loves them and made them. The spirit of God that was, that was sent by the Son to inhabit the lives of every believer. We, we call upon you in this moment. Spirit, we ask that you would that you would stir. That you administer um, to these dear ones that are in this room, God. Some need a some need a new work done in their lives. They can't even quite imagine what it looks like. The need for you to lead them to display to them the creative, generative aspects of who you are, Spirit. Spirit, others of them, there's, a, there's an attribute. Your love, your mercy, your patience, your embrace, your forgiveness, your your conviction, your passion. There's some aspect, some disclosure of who you are that they need to settle in their souls. Spirit, I pray that you would upturn that. Lord, there are others that are here that, um, that have yet to come to a place of saying, I surrender to you, Lord. I've been kicking the tires of faith. I'm just not quite sure, but, but I know enough to take the next step. And so, God, I pray that you would, by your spirit, that you would woo them. That you would bring them to yourself. Lord, there's others in this room that they, they need guidance. They need insight. They need, they need a word of wisdom. There's direction that's required. There's, there's steps of faithfulness that you intend, but there's a, there's a measure of uncertainty. Maybe it's vocationally or relationally or spiritually. But Lord, there's guidance that's required. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak, that you would be clear, that you would give them a word or an image. It may not be from themselves, it may be from someone else in the room that has a word for someone else in the room. And God, by your spirit, I pray that you would nudge that, that you would reveal that, that you would move that forward. Lord, there are other saints in this room that um, need to be reminded that when the Holy Spirit came into their life, it wasn't just for them. They were called to be testifiers. They were called to bear witness to the good news of Jesus and to the love of God. And there's some place, there's some space, there's some relationship where they have been reluctant to step. God, I pray by your spirit that you would remind them of their commissioning, of their co-missioning with you. That you will carry them by the strength and power, the gentleness, the thoughtfulness and sustenance of your spirit. Pray this over these ones. 
Church, I wanted, I wanted you to just hang here for a minute. Continue to posture of prayer. On your seats, there's a card. Some of you may have taken notes, but if you've got a blank one and there's a prayer that you want to write, I want to give you a moment to write that. Some of you want to, will want to take that to the prayer wall and you want to hang it there. And some of you, that's going to be, that's going to be a quite a courageous step and a courageous act, but it's, but it's an act whereby you are listening to the Spirit to move your body from one place to another. Others of you, that's not going to be enough. That you actually need to go and you need to talk to, a, to another person. Maybe it's the prayer counselors that are there. Maybe it's another person in the room where you need to say, here's, here's the thing that I need for the Spirit. Here's, here's my sense of what the Spirit is saying to me. Will you pray with me for this? And that's the right stewardship of the inclinations that the Spirit is impressing upon you. And I want you to, I want you to move in that way. And if you're not sure, you can remain where you are. But don't let sureness or certainty preclude you from taking steps in ways that you sense the Spirit leading. So just in this moment, what I want us to do, I want us to invite us to stand. Jara and the team are going to continue to lead us in worship. For this next song, I just want you to, I want you to respond to the Spirit. We'll come to communion in a moment, but I want you to respond in this moment to the Spirit. If it's to, if it's to take a prayer to the prayer wall, I want, you to, I want you to move in that way. If it's to go to one of the prayer stations and pray uh, with, uh, with Miss Brita or Joey, I want you to move. Jar, will you lead us? In church, will you respond?